Guns, religion, and politics. That and more coming up next. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Daryl Rowland, public affairs editor for the Columbus Dispatch. Julie Carr-Smite, statehouse correspondent for the Associated Press. Terry Casey, Republican strategist. And Sam Gresham of Common Cause Ohio. Supporters of the Second Amendment have made their pick in the race for governor. The National Rifle Association has endorsed the Democrat, Ted Strickland, over the Republican, John Kasich. The NRA cites Strickland's support of concealed carry laws and other measures, while it chides Kasich for supporting additional background checks for gun show customers and Bill Clinton's ban on some assault weapons. Sam Gresham, are conservative Republicans going to vote for Ted Strickland because of this endorsement? I think there's some people out there who may not be diehard Republicans who see the gun issue as something they want to support, and therefore they'll, they'll vote for Ted Strickland as a result of that. I, I, I also think it has a negative effect. People who uh, see him with a, the NRA support may ask questions, why is he the, a Democratic um, standard bearer but being supported by the NRA? So I think it's a two-edged two sword. Um, I think the latest poll says he'll probably pull more Kasich people to him as a result of that than if he did not have it. In part, I'm going to agree with Sam. This will kind of shock him, but in <laughs> some urban areas, the governor has not been doing that well. And part of it is a lot of people do view him as a southern Ohio type of governor. And when you get backing by the gun people, that actually hurts you in suburban areas. And I think there'll be some slippage with some hardcore conservatives, but an awful lot of them are also going to look at the taxes, the spending, the union giveaways that Strickland supported. And that's going to tip the balance that they're not happy on the gun thing, but they're more happy with the governor, unhappy with him on other issues. Our anti-gun voters, you know, pro-gun control voters, less of a one-issue voter than you know, NRA members? I, I think what you find with that is, I mean, they they won't have very many places to go. I mean, if you're far left uh, and the Democrat is pro-gun, and we've seen in the past, we saw in 06, you know, um, whether or not he's endorsed by the NRA, they wind up supporting him. Less of two evils? <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I don't think we're really talking about conservative Republicans. I'm not sure that's the playing field yeah. with this endorsement here. It's more the independents, mm -hmm. even conservative Democrats, that might uh, the Kasich people may view as persuadables. Um, this will help. Um, Strickland already has a southeastern Ohio b base, kind of a rural base, but I think this will help him with, you know, Again, it's just one log on the, the fire, but it's important. Yeah. The, the other factor is the NRA this week made a deal with national Senate Democrats on the campaign finance bill to be excluded from some of the requirements because Schumer and others are trying to do a fix, and NRA got out from underneath uh, how that uh, independent expenditure rule has gone through the U.S. Senate. So here's my bigger picture question. How are they able to do that? The dispatch ran a big story last Sunday on this. We've talked about it with the concealed carry in bars bill that's moving through the legislature. Why does the NRA, which is really a special interest, why does it have so much power and so much influence? Well, um, part of it is, as I understand it, is this grassroots ability that they have. They can get into those rural areas with you know, leaflets and postcards, and uh, I don't know that they go as far as door to door, but I think that it's a it's an actual grassroots. Um, I took a look, and and they haven't actually given a lot of money to Strickland, mm -hmm. but it's more 
the uh, the play they have with those voters. Their big power is in the primaries, particularly in Republican primaries, because if they threaten you and say, if you don't stick with us on this, we'll take you out in the next Republican primary. So that's where their biggest clout is, because as Julie mentioned, it's not that they're big campaign contributors in terms of money. You know, you'll be surprised that I'll agree with Terry on that. You're even uh, not. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it has as much impact on Democrats as it does on on, on Republicans. Correct. I think it has the negative effect, the opposite effect on Democrats from the standpoint of how it's perceived. Uh, but fundamentally, I think the power of the NRA is really an illusion because I can't think of a single candidate that they've taken out. Now, unless I'm wrong, is, are, is there a candidate that the NRA went after and they actually took that candidate out? I can't think of any. Well, in close presidential races like 2000 and 2004, it did hurt the Democrat candidates for president when John Kerry did this fake, like he's a real hunter, but he didn't understand anything about it. Duck and hunting. then, and then <laughs> when you count. combine it, like what happened with Al Gore, it wasn't just the gun issue; it was the coal issue and some others. So you can put it together, and it can hurt them, like in a presidential. Well, and something like that sort of emerged with Strickland. There's there is a whole uh, point of view that he used to say he didn't like guns, he never owned a gun, and you know, suddenly he found Jesus, if you will, when he became a politician on that stage and needed that. Um, you know, he insists that, that he's been uh, consistent throughout on, on his support. Is switched. Now he now is, opposes assault weapon bans that, that he has voted for in Congress with, as part of the crime bill. It was part right. of a larger crime bill. But Well, he says now that they don't work. They thought they'd try and work, and then the documentation shows that it hasn't really so done what was so promised. <laughs> well, when you flip to the right, like Howard Metzabob was against capital punishment, then he for it. If you flip to the right way, well, you're better shot. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. How does the how does the mythical or not? How does the gun lobby influence rank with other special interests like the tobacco lobby once had, the healthcare lobby, uh, anti-abortion and pro-abortion rights. I think it's an easy one to grab onto for voters. Um, you know, I think for them they need to look at this, the voting record, and see because definitely you need to know if if the NRA endorsed somebody, it, it was all about politics, and obviously endorsements are anyway. But point being, they might want something from him, they mm -hmm. might have gotten something from him, and it really isn't because necessarily his voting record in Congress was different than. Mm -hmm. K-6 voting record in Congress. Well, I, I mean, if you're talking about the state house, I mean, banks and insurance lobbies, I think, yeah. you know, and then some health care lobbies are still very, very strong. They're, they're more they're your traditional power lobbies, yeah. if you will. But I think, you know, the, as the discussion said, the NRA, as far as mobilizing membership, you know, that's pretty much unparalleled. And I think that's, that's the stick that, that people fear. And particularly in rural counties where you don't have many sheriff's deputies, if you're in a farm in a small rural county that's maybe got one deputy on that shift for the whole county, you want to have some protection in your home. Okay. Our next topic, there were some other developments in the governor's race this week. John Kasich made the cable TV talk show circuit pushing his new book. He continued to take heat for not releasing his tax returns, and an email surfaced indicating a Kasich campaign official advised an Ohio pension fund that lost tens of millions of dollars 
not to blame Lehman Brothers completely for the loss. And, of course, Kasich is a former employee of Lehman Brothers. Julie, you wrote the story about the email. What's going on there? Well, um, I just want to sort of say for those who are following the issue, I mean, I don't think there's an implication, at least not in anything I've written, that the, that the official who was his uh, spokesman, Scott Milburn, had tried to manipulate that number. I think that the issue was this sort of coziness of the tone and the uh, back and forth that was between uh, the campaign and the pension uh, official who actually used to also be in the Taft administration as Milburn was. So, um, you know, it's a question of sort of should they be remaining neutral politically and was did this cross the line? The pension funds said that they didn't they it's, didn't. They didn't follow the advice. They didn't solicit right. it. That there was just so they were distributing the the loss information, which has become a big focus of let's figure out how you know. And and even once we figure out exactly was it market loss, was it actual loss, was it unrealized loss, mm-hmm. it's still a loss. questionable whether whether Kasich had anything to do with it. Yeah, and I view this as a non-issue. I mean, today's dispatch headline was GOP. Uh, did not influence pension reform, and they used the word groundless. So, I mean, we're going to see a lot of these things back and forth, but I don't think it's that big an issue. And ultimately, on all this pension fund losses and gains, there's between now and election, I'll predict in advance, there's going to be other stories on Goldman Sachs and other investment people who the governor has solicited and gotten tens of thousands of dollars from that have gotten unbid contracts related to state government. So there's going to be a lot more and a lot other pension funds to come out between now and election day. But this has generated certainly, you know, yesterday the Democrats, Democratic head of the Ohio Retirement Study Council, Question whether you know the Kasich campaign was influencing the you know the numbers, which was untrue. We got the numbers two hours before you know this whole email in question. Dispatch and others had made public records requests for them. Um, there's a, there's a new ad up now by the Democratic Governors Association or a group affiliated with them, um, making this link, making this leap uh, from a story that we had several weeks ago where John Kasich in the early 2000s did was a middleman in bringing some layman people in and hooking them up with state pension people. Nothing ever came of that, but the ad goes on to make the leap into all these losses from layman's collapse. So there's there's a lot of fast and loose playing with facts But here. isn't this kind of characteristic of this campaign thus far? It's the tertiary, trivial issues, and <coughs> we're not really dealing with the real meaty issues. Sam, I'm going to agree with you again. We need commercials <laughs> on all the government's ac- governor's accomplishments, all the jobs he's brought to Ohio, all the new businesses, how he's balanced the budget, how he hadn't had to fire or get rid of half of his cabinet members. Why don't we have all those commercials? Jerry, there's an easy response to that. There are so many things in, in Kasich's background that's going to take us a half a year to really throw them all out there for a campaign. But you if you're that? the governor, why don't you run on your accomplishments? Well, it's it's doubling unemployment rate in Ohio. The gold campaign is a game of who do we blame? We've lost all these jobs. Is it because of government policies or is it because of Wall Street and Lehman Brothers and or is it because of the recession that affected everybody? Well, I think that's absolutely right. And one of the the questions we put in an Ohio newspaper organization poll early this year was just that. Who do you blame? And Strickland came down like third or fourth on the list. Now, he still gets... It, I think it was actually, you know, Bush and Wall Street were still <laughs> hanging fire. Now, again, this was beginning of the year. We'll see what, what the score is in November. But I think people are smart enough to know 
that, okay, Stricker may not be doing the best, but this, this thing is more global. It's not like Ohio is the only state that's in the dumper right. here. A couple other things. Kasich's book is a book about his bi-weekly Bible study groups uh, meetings and what he's gained out of it. It seems to be a genuine book about his faith. He says this is not being released as part of his political campaign. It's totally separate from politics. Are we buying that? Well, the publisher is Simon & Schuster. It's not like it's some little vanity press thing that he had done up or some right-wing publisher. Uh, but might they make more money if they publish that book while he's running for governor? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all I know is I was at the funeral for John's parents mm -hmm. after they were killed by a drunk driver in Pennsylvania. And, and John did, I believe, sincerely go through a real mm -hmm. tough questioning time because John was raised Catholic and considered being a priest. And when you lose your parents mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. it's a tough, tough kind of thing. And I as I recall, Ted Strickland was trumpeting how he was a man of the cloth and had been a minister. So people running on religion, Jimmy Carter, I mean, it's been done by yeah. politicians on both sides. Bill Clinton? Yes. Well, and I would think that, that you know, it, he's telling the truth that this is not about his political campaign because he never has had any trouble getting uh, the kind of access that he's had to the shows that are interviewing him this week. In I fact, mean, that's not really a, a problem. In fact, it's the other way that they'd like to see him more and Right. Get more access to him, and now they're at least the book tour is, uh, is opening him up to some some tougher questions on some shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, he's actually was on MSNBC. Yeah. I mean, I've read most of the book, and uh, you know, it's first of all, I think it's amazing that you know a group has met together 20 years, uh -huh. um, most recently in this little restaurant up in Westerville. Um, it, it presents kind of a humble side, I think, of John Kasich. That mm -hmm. let me just say it this way: he doesn't project very often with reporters or with the public. At least I haven't seen it. Um, I tell you if. You know, if you go, if you say this book is targeted toward really conservative Christian voters, they're going to find some stuff in there they don't like. He's not a real big on encouraging going to church. Um, he talks about how the Bible says Mary Magdalene was a prosperous prostitute, and um, that's not my version. So there's some <laughs> things in there that you know, some strict readings might yeah. <laughs> might not exactly gain him political favor. Tax returns is back again. The, the Democrats are pointing out that. Kasich called for his opponent back in 1982 for Congress, Bob Shemansky, to release his returns. Bob initially refused, eventually did. I mean, this is a game that's been played a thousand times. Over and over again. Uh, and Mike, I was at the State House yesterday and I looked carved on the stone. There's nothing that says before you enter the State House, you must publicly release mm -hmm. your tax reports. We have ethics requirements in Ohio. Uh, all those have been met. The candidates, the media check those. But I mean, it's a big battle now that Strickland won't release his health records. So. Yeah, but it's typically a chicken game that everybody plays right. with tax, rac tax records. You release yeah. yours, I'll release mine. He didn't release his, and I release mine. Come on. Well, he only showed the media one year instead of five years. And if you showed five years, would you have to show eight well, years? Well, you know, and it's always the issue of uh, once you start getting wealthy, they, mm -hmm. they want to see it so they can use it against you. And, I, and, and it's your right to protect them if, you know, if that's what you want to do. So well, then it just gets into this yep. issue of what have you said in the past. Well, I agree. It's, it's the right, but it certainly has been the custom in Ohio for 20, 25 years or candidates for governor for our highest office have voluntarily made these public, multiple years public. They're, they're not like John Kasich where you're given a limited amount of time. You can't copy them. We're not going to show you all the schedules attached to it. We're just going to show you part of it. Copy down fast because the next reporter's coming in. So I think there may be a transparency problem here. Um, Does that sound like Terry? 
But hey, if the reporters, I thought they're <laughs> smart in Ohio to digest <laughs> it and figure out what's going well, on. Well, uh, well, we can't. You know, we can't. Uh, we're not allowed to make them up for the previous years. If you want us to, I suppose we could. <laughs> well, Ken Blackwell didn't release his either, though, and we all knew that he was a millionaire somehow, and we would have loved to know how, and he managed to make it through the campaign. Oh, he lost, yeah. but he didn't make it through it, the campaign it without ever telling. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with that, and I don't know whether Howard Metzenbaum revealed all of the details of the tax breaks. Then why and did the we put so much time on it? Well, part of it, it's a media and it's a political gotcha kind of thing. I mean, the same well, thing on the health records for Ted Strickland. Why didn't this, he reveal his health records? In this records? case, it, it kind of goes to the, the heart of the Democrats' campaign is that they're campaigning against Wall Street, and they would like that information that he made good money working for Wall Street. Yeah, they want that number yeah. so that they can use it. Yeah. That he's not one of us? Is that the, is that the storyline? I think that's the, that is the storyline. Well, that's the storyline this year, but again. Yeah, I, next year will be something completely well, different. Well, whatever. I, I just, you know, I think, uh, why wouldn't the public want to know this, all the information they can get, yeah. you know, reasonably Kerry speaking, about their candidate? Right. John and Kerry for president didn't reveal all of his wealth, including his wife's. He didn't reveal his wife's, and neither did John McCain, as I recall. So, But they did reveal Themselves. their own. Yep. And yeah. the president always does, and look, all those candidates. Right, because Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, and George W. Bush, and Jim Rhodes... Dick Celeste, a whole bunch of people. Let's get to the U.S. Senate campaign. Rob Portman and Lee Fisher are running new ads in the campaign for Senate. Thankfully, everyone's wearing a shirt in these ads. <laughs> but oddly enough, both ads star just one candidate. I'm Rob Portman. Ohio's lost 400,000 jobs and continues to fall behind. And Washington and Columbus just don't get it. I visited all of Ohio's 88 counties on a jobs tour to factories, small businesses, and farms. People are working harder for less and looking for jobs that don't exist. I've heard a lot of frustration and a lot of great ideas. The Portman Plan for Jobs is the result with common sense solutions like cutting the payroll tax. Learn more about it at robportman.com. I'm Rob Portman and I approve this message. Right out of the box, he's blaming others for the economy. But after two decades in Washington, what's Rob Portman's record? As George Bush's top trade official, Portman backed deals that shipped tens of thousands of Ohio jobs overseas. On Portman's watch, our trade deficit with China grew $31 billion. And in Congress, Portman voted to give $30 billion in tax breaks to corporations exporting our jobs. Washington insider, Rob Portman. He's not what Ohio needs. I'm Lee Fisher, and I approve this message. Lee approved it by phone, apparently. <laughs> uh, Daryl, the first to the Portman ad, I thought it was a pretty effective ad. It introduced him to voters in a positive way, but also took on the record of his opponent and the Democrats, and, and also showed what he wants to do about it. This is a very traditional opening ad, and which has actually become rare since uh, Governor Strickland went negative out of the box. Um, can, you know, the committees that support John Casey went negative out of the box. Um, here we've, we're back to a little bit of tradition. Hi, I'm Ron Portman. Most of you outside of Cincinnati have no clue who I am, but here's who <laughs> I am, and jobs, 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 jobs. Yeah. And, by the way, the other guy didn't do much about it. Lee Fisher responds, and again, that's a web-only ad that, yeah, that the Democrat sure. Lee Fisher has. Um, again, still pretty negative, and it's a little bit like the Casey-Strickland contest. Where they're trying, they, the Democrats, are trying to paint 
Rob Portman as, in this case, a Bush insider, an architect of these woes you're feeling now on jobs or whatever. He was Bush's trade representative. He was Bush's budget director. He, you know, he might have shined Bush's shoes once or twice, but, you know, he's clearly evil because he's associated. Got his picture ticket with him once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> and then that uh, Cheney guy, so yeah. he must have been unarmed at the time. Yeah, <laughs> they, they end with the, the Cheney, yeah. in a way. The hand wave. Yeah. How, how effective is that, Terry, well, do you think? Well, the, the, the key point the is the magic word that Daryl said said a web ad. A web ad is something other than a few TV shows like this will it ever get aired on what I call real television. But we're going to see Rob Portman standing next to George Bush on television. Yes, we Well, are. but the problem is coming out of the primary, basically Lee Fisher spent all of his money but about nine, uh, one million, whereas Portman didn't have a primary and has got about nine million. So it's a bit of an arms race and it's not exactly balanced. Uh, and when you're running web ads that nobody, real people, see other than us. Yeah, but we're talking about it, and there are other news people talking about it, too. It works. You know, the sad point about the statement that you made, though, it, it, it is an arms war. And it's sad that it's not about the quality of the candidate. It's not about their platform. But it's about how much money they have. That's really a sad statement if you really think about it. Well, <laughs> Lee Fisher, if he can't raise more money, how can he be effective? We're gonna. I mean, I don't think there's gonna be. Maybe Rob Portman has a bit of a head start now, but you have to figure that either Lee Fisher's gonna raise the money himself, or he's gonna get help from national groups, national organizations, to even right. this playing field well, come Labor Day. But the problem is across the nation, the Democrat Senate people have got bigger fish to worry about, like Harry Reid in Nevada, and they've got other districts that they're worried about, like in Pennsylvania. And they're gonna look at the polling, and if. Portman gets the bump up because Portman's still only it's known neck, mainly still, in southwestern yeah. part of Ohio. But if he can keep getting better known, the money, if it doesn't come in here because they don't think Fisher's got a chance, then he won't have the money from but, the national but Harry Reid got who he wanted out of the primaries. I don't know if he's going to spend as much money as But he he's has. behind, trailing her by about six, seven points. Let's get to our last topic. Casinos and slot machines keep popping up in the headlines. The stories involve the plan to put slot machines at racetracks. Now, Stay with me here. The dispatch reports that racetrack owners are considering going to the ballot to ask voters to change the casino rules just approved by state lawmakers. These are the rules under which the four planned casinos would operate. The track owners want to add to those rules a provision that puts slots at the racetracks. Now, such a move could delay the casinos. Now, voters are supposed to decide this issue in the fall, but Bill Cohen of Ohio Public Radio reported this week there's talk the track owners may move to take that issue off the ballot. Terry, pardon the pun, seems like a little bit of horse trading going on here. Well, and maybe there's some things coming out of the back end of the horse that aren't <laughs> ideal in this whole thing. He didn't say that, did he? I didn't, you, I didn't say it exactly. You, your imagination took you to that part of the... I, mean, I was meant the tail, the tail wagon, yes. or whatever. But the problem is you've still got a battle going on because two of the track owners, Brock Milstein out of Cleveland and Jeff Jacobs, uh, that's been involved aren't happy with the casino people, particularly Dan Gilbert in Cleveland. So they want to, they're fighting back and forth and they're using the threat of a ballot issue headed for this fall's ballot that they want taken off. Mm -hmm. And then they're threatening we'll put a ballot issue that will delay the casino starting till a, after a 2011 vote. So it continues to go on, and which part of the horse's anatomy you want to follow, I'll leave that to your imagination. <laughs> of course, the whole reason we don't have slots of tracks now is because of a referendum right, that yeah. petitions were circulating. Right. But I think what makes this whole debate so complex and so interesting is is the, the track owners and casino owners are starting to overlap a little more and more. Yeah, right. Uh, right, because now right. the 
the Penn National people already own the Toledo track. They bought Beulah here. And then Dan Gilbert has got people working on buying. Uh, well, Harris bought it on his behalf up in Cleveland right. and is working on buying River Downs in Cincinnati. So and, and and so Bill's reporting really gets at this this idea that you know it's all a big blur at this point, and basically we Ohio voters are being uh, used. Our ballot mm -hmm. is being used for as a business tool, right. uh, a piece of leverage for the gambling industry. And I think the question that is being raised at the state house increasingly is. Who are these folks? We need to know. We need to know who's working for them. We need to know where the money's coming from because, you know, it, we're potentially building up a monopoly here and we don't even know it because of the way that the money is being reported or not re being Critic, reported. Critics speculate that it is Dan Gilbert who's, who originally funded the Let's, Let Ohio Vote campaign mm -hmm. to put the slots to racetracks right. on the ballot. But we don't know that. We don't right. know who and the Secretary of State is trying to, yeah, to, find, trying to find out. out. Isn't it kind of sad all of a sudden we were surrounded by all this gambling we had none and it looks like we're going to end up with more gambling than anybody. Well, maybe. Remember, they're still <laughs> battling back and forth and nothing's happened yet. It could be we yet. wind up with just the casino in Cleveland, which is what was wanted in the first place, and they don't even build the others. Who knows? Well, they're doing work on the Delphi plant. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Anyway, let's get to our off-the-record parting shots. Our final words, Sam Gresham, you're up first. I'm making a prediction. Ohio State University will win the National Football Championship. I'm making it on June 18, 2010. Okay. <laughs> you're the first. <laughs> Terry. I'll, I'll go back to politics. <laughs> My prediction is watch the special money, particularly union money in Ohio, because after labor, in the words of the White House, flushed $10 million down the toilet in Arkansas, the question is how much money will they keep spending in Ohio, particularly as I understand that the recent TV ads have not really moved the needle very much or done anything other than polarizing the extreme left and the extreme right. So will we see a lot of ads financed by the labor unions in the next few months, or will they look elsewhere? Okay. Julie. I'm rarely prepared, but I'm prepared today with this little prop for my final word, which is I don't think we're going to see. We'll update it again. We don't think I don't think we're going to see the Let Ohio Vote issue on this right. November's ballot. So no casino issue on this ballot. Okay. And Daryl, any props, Daryl? <sighs> no props except me, because I just want to say, hey, mothers get all the glory in May. Now it's, oh. it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all your dads out oh. there. <laughs> Miss you, Dad. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> I love the family circle uh, cartoon. It said that dad gets to play with all the kids during Father's Day. That, that's what they all voted. Anyway, we at WOSU are very saddened this week by the death of Gil Price. He was with the show since we started. He was a terrific journalist, a terrific panelist, a great father, and really just a good guy. So our sympathies go out to Gil's friends and to his family. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. For our panel, for our crew here at WOSU at COSI, we want to wish you a good week and urge you to check out our website, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us.